Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, Paige Niedringhaus, and I am joined by our panelists, TJ Van Toll. Hey, everybody. And Jack Harrington. Hello there. And our special guest today is Mickey Peterson. Welcome, Mickey. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, Mickey, why don't you give our listeners a little bit about yourself, why you're famous, and what we're going to talk about today on the podcast? Sure. I can start off with saying I'm a um, Swede in the Netherlands. Me and my boyfriend recently relocated to um, Amsterdam from having been in Stockholm for quite a few years. I am a previous flight attendant, turned lawyer, turned uh, web developer, and I, that's sort of my yeah interesting story, I guess, on on how it how, how, how it all happened. And yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I wrote in a short article about 3JS, which is a sort of 3D graphics framework and how to connect it up with with your React framework, basically out of the box. And I don't really know how to move forward from that. <laughs> I mean, that's totally fine. So I let's put a pin in how you got into web development because that is a very atypical career path yeah, or entree. Be questions asked. Yes. But yeah. I'd love to hear more about working with Canvas and WebGL because it's something that I'm vaguely familiar with, but I've never really done it either with or without React. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what what you would use that kind of thing for and, and how to get started with it. Of course. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Primarily, I think it's a, it's a fun tool to use to make animations and to make whatever ways website you have a bit more interactive, that is canvases. What the issue is, I think, or what might be confusing is when working with React and especially when working with props and canvases and maybe user input, it re-renders, right? That's sort of what, what React does. It re-renders on every uh, every user input. This in turn, of course, affects the canvas. So I think that's where a lot of, of users and beginners sort of get confused since you're both working with a framework who keeps updating your DOM, right? And meanwhile, you also want to update a canvas, which is like a, a little uh, ref in your DOM. Yeah, because canvas isn't a, it's not like SVG where it's got a bunch of sub tags, like sub elements in it. It's literally just the one canvas and then you get a context and you start, you got some draw things. You can draw a line in the context. You can draw a circle and it's got all the primitives <laughs> in it. Uh, precisely. Uh, more unlike SVGs, it, it is exactly what the tag says it is. It is a canvas <laughs> that you can paint on, <laughs> right? right? 
<laughs> it's very high performance, actually. I know, I think uh, one company I was talking to, they were using it specifically because of incredibly high performance. Yeah, I think as long as you're not using Safari, they have some sort of uh, <laughs> bug going with them where the canvas just keeps updating, updating, and taking up more and more memory until oh, no. your web page basically <laughs> dies, which is also like an issue working with React that wants to sort of throw away the old canvas, get in a new canvas, uh, throw away the old that canvas and get in a new canvas, and eventually you fill up the memory in the browser and all of a sudden you're, yeah. Your website is not working as good as you, you thought it would. <laughs> so I haven't worked with WebGL or 3JS, but I have worked with Canvas in the sense that it's typically used for things like maps. So Mapbox, Leaflet. Mm. And one thing that I ran into when I was building a map using a Next.js application was that I had to do a specific type of import where it wasn't being imported on the, or the component wasn't being imported on the server side. It had to be rendered on the client side because mm. apparently that is how Canvas works, which makes sense, I guess, when you think about it, because it's not, it's not going to exist where there is no window for it to attach to. But that was kind of an interesting little interaction to me or something that I didn't know about Canvas when I first started playing with it inside of the context of React. But was there a particular use case that you were looking to solve when you started getting involved with this kind of stuff, Mickey? Yeah, for sure it was. I was basically looking to make a, a cool background to my website that was a bit interactive, <laughs> oh, you know? Um, yeah, excellent. The best. Maybe not very sophisticated <laughs> use case, but more the fun because that gives you sort of the opportunity to experiment yeah. a bit more with it. And I think as, as I write about in the article, 3JS is a good place to start because it has functions that allow you to sort of attach it and reference it in the DOM when you're working with your different, what do you call them, the effect hooks, right? Mm -hmm. Which may, makes it easier to, to, uh, to implement them into your React framework. I was just very recently trying to attach uh, P5, which is another it's not 3D necessarily, but it's a, it's a canvas framework as well, but in JavaScript, very nice, very much fun to be had with it. And it doesn't have the same function that allows you to, to attach it and detach it and reference it. So working with it made it a lot, lot harder. Probably the next article will be about how to attach that and work with that in React. Because it was, um, uh, yeah, I had to scratch my head quite a lot to get it to work. Yeah, it's like an entirely different thing. It's, it's, mm. like, it's like it's like getting D3 and React to work together. They're they're mm. just entirely different. So is there some fun like is there some fun thing to the name P5 that I missed? Because D3 is supposed it's kind of like 3D backwards, right? Like so is oh, is there some like okay is there some sort of like clever thing to P5 that I'm just not smart enough that I'm not figuring out? <laughs> I bet there is, <laughs> but but I'm unaware of it. Okay, <laughs> just seems like such a random name. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Actually, what is what is P five doing for you? I'm sort of perusing their their website because I'm I'm kind of curious because I don't have a lot of experience in this space. So I think P five is quite a good framework to start out with if you want to start with and you have to excuse my pronunciation of this kinetic text. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Kinetic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if you sort of want to play around with like titles or like cool logos or images and make you know those really cool like wavy effects yeah that some websites mm. have that's a really good uh framework to use for it because it's fairly small and very easy to use 
unless you're using React that is. Which makes it a bit more complicated. <laughs> yeah, did, did it have a physics engine in it? Is that how it comes from? Or, or is that where the kinetics come from? Or is it I would assume so, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it looks like there's all sorts of APIs around like acceleration, like oh. there's like P acceleration, acceleration XYZ, move threshold. So kind of interesting stuff. And I think the fun thing about like when you work with P5, for example, it's easier to just start off in a vanilla JavaScript project and sort of work with it from there and then slowly move move it in towards React. You don't yeah. get the nice like auto-updating features and stuff that you get with like create React app and, and, and stuff like that. But I think just for uh, from a performance and designing perspective, it might be easier. I think they even have an editor on their website that you can just use through your browser. Well, you mentioned earlier that React makes using some of these things around Canvas a little bit harder. Could you maybe go into like details about that? Like what specifically is it that makes React like trickier to integrate with this? And how do you sort of handle that situation? Yeah, for sure. So we know that React re-renders on prop updates, right? So when we get some user input or like if we've attached a a scroll listener to the to the window or the body of our um, of our page, and sort of attach it to our our uh, canvas. We know that React is going to want to wanting to update that com- component every time we get a new input. So, for example, for a scrolling listener, it would update more or less all the time. So quite intense. Yep. So with certain certain frameworks, depending on how they're attached to React. It triggers a re-render, and that might cause the canvas to actually be detached from the DOM and then attached again very, very quickly. So with some frameworks, you'll see that there's a flicker when you do this. This was the issue I was having with P5, as I explained earlier. So you're going into this, like, which I feel like is a a perpetual challenge with React, on what render am I? So when you're working with user input, you sort of have to plan ahead for... How am I going to work with the props? How am I going to update my scene? For example, 3JS uh, provides a reference to the canvas, which which in turn uh, causes it not to update on every render, but it forces you to have to think a bit more about, oh, say I made a green cube on my canvas and I want my user to click a button and it turns red. How do I handle that? Because I, I have to programmatically go into the scene, remove my green cube, and attach my red cube. So there's like a next level render to the canvas as well. Yeah, so uh, just to understand like the high level problem. So basically, I, I get way into this. I, I go to, I need my website to have a really cool background effect, right? So I create some really cool wavy animations. But then if I do something else on my site that causes a re-render, essentially that like wavy animation will just like suddenly like reset more or less, mm-hmm. right? Because the canvas uh, gets re-rendered. So I need to like use ref around that is sort of, if I'm understanding like the high level problem is that more or less, right? Yeah, basically it's tricking React into thinking that this is a prop you don't need to update. So what I usually yeah. do is I wrap my state in a, in a use ref or I use the current key for whatever prop I'm using. And then I wrap my component in a use memo. So it sort of understands that, oh, this prop, we're not gonna, we're not gonna re-render because of that. Okay, interesting, yeah. So, right, use state, the difference between use state and use ref is that the way use state will force the re-render when you change the state and use ref, you just have that current, you make the current whatever you want and it doesn't actually yeah. do anything when you, when you make that change, yeah. Yeah, 
since so far as I understand it, React doesn't compare, it compares them shallowly. So it'll look at your right. use ref and it will only see like, yeah, it's an object. Whereas like yeah. your prop that you're sort of using is on the current uh, yeah. property of that object, right? The, the ref is constant. Yeah. So when it comes to a 3GL, is that just an upgraded canvas? Is that, you know, you have a canvas and then you say, cool, I want you to be a 3GL canvas now. And you start doing, how do you create a, a 3GL canvas? And what, what's the difference? I don't really know. I don't really know a 3GL at all. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought we were, you had also done some work with the, the, the 3GL 3D stuff. Okay. Oh, uh, no. Unfortunately, I haven't. Ah, that's something you might want to try out and get into. It's actually really... Yeah, definitely. Another cool thing you can add to your website. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all know that when you get to the 3D background effects, that's when your website is really cool. That's oh, like the, that's like yeah. the next yeah, yeah, level. Yeah. Like, personally, when I do interviews, if someone doesn't have... They just are in... 2D effect land, I just kind of move right on. It's just... <laughs> it, it, it is funny that you mentioned that D3... I never heard that D3 was 3D backwards. And the funny thing is, like, I never see 3D stuff in D3. It's always, you know, kind of flat visualizations of charts. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. You know, this is how yeah. COVID is doing or, you know, whatever. That kind of thing. So, yeah, actually, Mickey, have you done anything with, with these canvas skills and these uh and this p5 stuff in the kind of professional context no unfortunately i haven't <laughs> haven't had the uh, opportunity to use them it would be cool though so i'm like sort of waiting for the next cool product to to pop up where i can where i can actually use them a bit more what do you work on in terms of professional work with your react skills it's mainly mainly um websites uh for yeah. for clients so uh with blogs and some links and an about me page and sort of what I feel is the, the standard for most freelance webs out there. Yeah, you can still do some cool background effects and stuff on those, for sure. Oh, no, for sure. I think my favorite thing that I that I recently uh, discovered was like animating stuff in with uh, React Transition Group. Mm, yeah, I think I think that's pretty cool. Uh, the stuff you can do with it, especially in combination with it's the React Spring library. There are a bunch of good ones out there. Yeah, definitely. Frame Ocean, Spring, yeah. React Spring has a really cool icon too, or a really cool logo. <laughs> that's another way you got to judge your framework. That's like yeah. The it, of their logo. They, the they, it sucked me in. <laughs> yeah. Although the coolest logo ever has to go to Zustand with a bear playing banjo. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I haven't even seen that one. Oh yeah, uh, I'll put a link in in the description for you. Yeah, if you like state management libraries, this is another one that can go up against Redux and Jotai and all the other, you pick the framework, it will exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cool. But it's very, if you're into re, if you're into Redux, it follows that model. So yep. a lot of the Redux crew have been like, oh, I just want Redux, but I want let, let, let's boilerplate. And so you end up <laughs> going with, with Zustand. Zustand. Yeah. Sounds very um, firm it's, and it's, solid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, right, right. I think it's, it's German for state. Basically, people were going and building state managers and then looking for different languages. And they're like, oh, well, what is state in this language? What is state in that language? And so oh, is oh. is, I think, like German German for like the, the actual like government, the state or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I think that's what it is. Yeah, we're running out of like we're running out of English words on NPM to use. So we're going to branch out a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> When I first got it, did a video on it, I was taken down by a bunch of like German folks saying like, you are pronouncing it the wrong way. Yeah. I'm like, Zustin. I'm like, no, it's not. Zustin. Zustin. Speaking so of uh, React, or sorry, 
transitions and animations. I think Svelte is a really cool framework. I know it's not React, but it's like one of the few frameworks I know that comes with built-in transitions and animations. Yeah, I've heard, I haven't used Svelte personally, but I've heard a lot of good things about it in terms of the fact that it seems to come a lot more with batteries included or a lot of the cruft that React, that people complain about with React kind of cut out, but all the best parts left in. And I think TJ has worked with it before, so he might be able to speak a little bit more to it. Yeah, and actually, I didn't know that animations were built in as well. I had to, to look that up, but I, I like that Spelt has seems like a lot of these things, like it has a more opinionated way of doing CSS, for example, that I kind of appreciated versus like the Wild West of React. So we'll see if it catches. I mean, it, it feels like it's been gaining momentum, but gaining momentum very slowly. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of curious whether like we're going to be rebranding this podcast a year from now or not, right? <laughs> it's just, it just sort of depends on <laughs> how things play when, out. Yeah, when SvelteKit came out, SvelteKit is like next, but for... Svelte. That's when it really started. Like people went, oh wow, Svelte, let's do this. This is, you know, this is great. I think what for all you nascent framework creators out there, if you're gonna go build the next great React or the next great whatever, come out with the next as well. Come out with a framework and then come out with the web part as well. Or then mm-hmm. like the make pages and all that thing. Because that's what people are really looking for, is they're looking for kind of like the combo there of like the whole routing thing and everything else. Well, Vercel just hired uh what Rich Harris, yeah. right? The guy behind Svelte. So Apparently, they're thinking along the same lines. <laughs> yeah, they're trying not to be the, re- the the React company. Yeah, they're they're just using their however many millions of dollars to hire everybody. That's, that's <laughs> their that's their solution. But Mickey Svelte would help you with your rendering problem. Like they, it doesn't have the same cycle like that. It does. Uh, it doesn't do VDOM to DOM. It does. It, it's granular updates. So they're not. Yeah. It's not going to try and rebuild the canvas every time just because the props changed. It's going to know like, oh, unless oh. you change something on that thing. I'm just going to leave it there. And then you're free yeah. to do with it whatever you want with it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's sort of what I like with it. I've had the opportunity to work with um, Svelte as well. And I just think it's such a low threshold to like start coding. Whereas like with React, you have yeah. to understand like, oh, what happens in the render? And like, what update am I on? And side effects. And before it was lifecycle methods and stuff like that. Whereas with Svelte, it just, it's very straightforward. Yeah. The other thing I like about Svelte is that it also feels a lot like react it's like react with like you're just like one step down complexity wise more or less so the templates i mean there's trivial syntactical differences but for the most part it feels like the same you're just writing the same thing and if if there are minor syntactical different differences it's just like a quick google search away and you're you're on your way so it just feels like you're writing the same thing but just with a little less complexity which is always nice so and it Mickey. was 20 minutes in the podcast when it became the Svelte podcast. Yeah. <laughs> half the people have used it, half haven't. <laughs> I mean, have you seen their website? It's like super cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's got all the animations. It's yeah, right. <laughs> so Mickey, I am curious because I want to kind of go back to it. How did you go from flight attendant to lawyer to web developer? That's... That's those are some pretty different careers that you've had. Yeah, uh, people used to think so already when I'd gone from being a flight attendant to a lawyer. So I guess <laughs> in life, I, you know, it's been a journey. I think as far as like web development goes, I've coded since I was like eight or nine, I think. Not that it makes me any good at it at all. It's just that, you know, I sort of remember still when you used to do layouts in iframe tags and like the marquee tag was like still working and super cool. (laughs) Yeah. I wish they would take it back. Oh no. no. 
Ah! It's not supported by like any browser anymore. <laughs> so bad. So like it's always been with me by my side, and it's much thanks to my mom because you know back in the '90s she was like, "Oh yeah, computers and coding—that seems to be like the future." I used to do some HTML classes, so she came home and and uh, she took these classes in the evenings and came home and taught me what what she had learned during the evenings. So we Go built mom. like right, <laughs> right, so cool. Cool. Shout out to her. Yeah, big time. <laughs> And yeah, and then like I had to grow up like everyone else and get a job. I was casually coding on the side and doing my little CSS things, but didn't really understand this JavaScript thing and thought it was just like a, what do you say, a temporary. <laughs> yeah, it a, wasn't going to What do you around. call it? It's a fad. Yeah, yeah. a fad. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my like teenage self thought that, <laughs> you know, weird. This computer um, will never last. <laughs> no, it's like the facts. <laughs> So you um, anyway. decided that, that the air, airlines were never going to go away. Like there was never going to be any kind of global pandemic that was going to cause airlines to not go away. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't my first thought, at least. <laughs> I, can, I can say easily. Also, given that this was maybe um, 10 years ago or so, 12 <laughs> yeah, by now. No, so I became a flight attendant, mainly because I had the option to do it and it seemed like a super cool job to like travel the world and, you know, walk around in cool uniforms and... And it paid quite well as well. So I really enjoy those years. But after having done so many flights, I sort of got tired of, of serving coffee and tea and, and dealing with rowdy customers. <laughs> so I decided to, yeah, it's time to get an education. And I became a lawyer, which when I say it sounds super easy, but it was almost five years of, of uh, law school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I came out and, and became a lawyer. I started working for a law firm, working with financial regulation, which you can sort of hear doesn't sound super exciting, even <laughs> though it is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. But I realized that my passion is sort of in between uh, problem solution and like creativity as well. So like while my law career gave me a lot of problems to solve and and it didn't really provide the creative outlet that I find that coding does because coding is sort of an, I guess for most front end devs at least, sort of a creative outlet as well where you can like, create stuff with CSS and canvases and you know stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, for a couple of years, I just decided that no, I'm I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I'm gonna gonna give uh, web development my all instead. So did you actually go back to school for web development or did you just take the skills that you'd already kind of built up for fun and, you know, start applying for jobs? Well, first of all, it was sort of a, a face slap to be like, JavaScript is still around and it has evolved. <laughs> still there. <laughs> still there. <laughs> so I realized I was like lacking what 15, 20 years of experience from having done it when I was a kid. So I started doing uh, these boot camps. So actually, I started out with the one called Super High. I don't know if you heard about them. Mm -mm. No. no. I think their goal is basically like provide an educational environment, but online, so available for everyone. Fairly cheap prices for their courses. They're sort of also in that in-between threshold between designing and creativity and coding. So a lot of their courses mm. are like, oh, creative creative coding, make your, um, yeah, kinetic typing, for example, was something <laughs> I learned from them. Yeah. And lately, I've been doing a full stack open course with Helsinki University. So basically teaching you you know, some more advanced React and Redux and GraphQL queries together with backend. So it's it's all based on the Node.js framework mm -hmm. and testing and stuff. So I'm almost done with that. Yeah, I don't know how much of that you have to do in agencies, I guess. Not, not usually a big backend-y kind of space. But no. 
other folks in other places. Yeah, for sure. That's good skills for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I always like learning new stuff on my spare time. And I figured like if you're a front end dev, you might as well have a little look and see what happens in the back end and see if that's that might be interesting as well. Time is of the essence when identifying and resolving issues in your software. And our friends at Raygun are here to help. Their brand new alerting feature is now available for crash reporting and real user monitoring to make sure you're quickly notified of the errors, crashes, and front-end performance issues that matter most to you and your business. Set thresholds for your alert based on an increase in error count, a spike in load time, or new issues introduced in the latest deployment, along with custom filters that give you even greater control. Assign multiple users to ensure the right team members are notified with alerts linked directly to the issue in Raygun, taking you to the root cause faster. Never miss another mission-critical issue in your software again. Try Raygun Alerting today and create a world-class issue resolution workflow that gives you and your customer peace of mind. Visit raygun.com to learn more. Their simple usage plans start from as little as $4 per month with unlimited apps and users. That's raygun.com to start your free 14-day trial. Yeah, you never know. And it could be, even if you don't end up using it too much, just being able to understand what the backend team is working on is always... A, a bonus or being able to talk to them about what they're working on. Yeah, for sure. I gotta say the one skill that you probably learned in both being a flight attendant and also being a lawyer is the one skill that's probably the most important for every engineer, which isn't a technical skill, which is the ability to communicate clearly and succinctly about what needs to be done right now. Like you need to get out of the plane right now. You know, you need to like, here's, here's this tax form. You need to sign right here. You know, like it's very succinct, very clear. And I think a lot of folks like in engineers, like they come in like, oh, it doesn't work. Like, no, no, no. That's not the way an engineer would say that doesn't work. They would say this is what the problem is. This is, you know, this is what I was expecting. This is what I don't know. So with that communication, I think you probably had those communication skills in spades because of that background. Oh, no, definitely. And also just working with I, I think it's easy to forget that even though you're working with computers and it's coding and stuff like at the end of the day, you're a team need to like make it work as a team and you're working with with people all around you at the end of the day so just those yeah for sure but i feel like also yeah that's the thing i feel like a lot of people also that's sort of why they enjoy it because it's you talk with people and you discuss it and you meet new people and i mean that's that's half the enjoyment of of working in my opinion if if another deb tells you to get my coffee you're like nah 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 that's not not, (laughs) you get your own coffee I've served enough coffees in my life. Exactly. So thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like that's like a running theme of this show that's come up several times because we have we've had lots of guests that have come from other backgrounds that weren't traditional software backgrounds. Uh, we've had Paige is talk extensively on this as well. So I, I think like for anybody listening to this too, you shouldn't view that as a barrier to getting into software development. If anything, you should view it as a positive because you'd be amazed at how much just being productive in some sort of work environment, how much of that can translate into a software development career. Because sure, you might not know the syntax of how to call some random JavaScript function, but uh, you can look that up. You can figure that out. The the hard-earned experience of just holding down a career, working with people, working on a team, that's stuff that you kind of need to learn the hard way, one way or another. Mm-hmm. So interesting you say that as well, because I I know like when I was in between sort of being a lawyer and becoming a developer, I kept seeing parallels between like being Mm -hmm. a developer and what you wouldn't think that they're there because they're so different. Mm -hmm. But there definitely are similarities between it, like in in law, at least in Sweden, where like I studied 
everyone says like, oh no, you don't need to, you don't need to know the law itself. You just need to know how to get the knowledge and, and interpret yeah, it and understand it and use it. Right. And it's the same yeah. with, with coding. I feel you need to understand the basics, but then it's all about solving the problems and finding the solutions. Yeah. That's it is that you don't need to memorize much of anything really nowadays. You can just look it up if you know how to ask the right questions and figure out figure it out kind of from what other people have written online or in your case in law books or previous verdicts and things like that. I think being good at Googling is something <laughs> if you are good at Googling, you should put on your CV because it'll help you in any, <laughs> yeah. any profession. Well, even like when we were talking about Canvas earlier, I mean, we weren't asking about specific APIs because no... A, no one's going to remember that. And B, like <laughs> we we would just trust if people are interested in this, right? That's the first thing they're going to do is look that up and try to figure that out. It's more, you're interested more in the higher level concerns, uh, at least initially. Mm -hmm. So I am curious, Mickey, you know, you said you were building kind of side projects or little fun things as you were going through being a flight attendant and then being a lawyer. What kind of like extra stuff were you doing? A lot of people point to like they had bands or they had MySpace pages or whatever. But was there like a particular thing that you were really using your HTML and CSS skills for that kind of drew you or kept you interested in it after all this time? I can't really say that that happened at the same time as I was a flight attendant. No, not really. I think I sort of have forgotten about all about HTML and CSS and JavaScript by that time. But definitely after I started working, because as a student, you're so preoccupied with your, you know, school books and reports and you're reading this and you're reading that. But when I started working, I realized that like, yeah, my like tech skills and just like understanding computers was sort of a, how do you say, like a, a big, it benefited me a lot oh, yeah. compared to my peers. Mm. So just understanding like, okay, what's the difference? Like, how do I use a PC compared to how do, how do I use a Mac? Like, what can I do with Word? You know, not really tech-related as in coding, but very much tech-related as in like, I understand what an operating system is. I know the difference <laughs> between a server and a database. <laughs> right, exactly. It's not magic. I think no. a lot of folks, you know, who aren't coders, they look at computers and they do magical things, right? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, I expect them to kind of be able to do this magic for me. And it's like, it's not going to do that. It's not magic. Like, it, it, you put inputs in, you get outputs out. Not really. So I yeah. feel like all the marketing, uh, all, all like the uh, marketing departments keep on using the words automagically. Every time I read oh. it, I'm just thinking oh, there's yeah. a pissed off yeah. coder behind that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. We fell into that trap where my old team did when I worked for Home Depot because we used Java Spring Boot and Spring Boot is the most automagical framework I've ever encountered for Java. <laughs> and I know it's not, but man, you just added some annotations to some code and suddenly things were wired up and working and you had, I had still have no idea what was going on behind <laughs> the scenes, but just glad that it compiled and it ran. So yeah, I, I get it. As long it as has a certain catch it, to it as well. It does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. As long as you don't need to tweak it, you know, then it, it'll do it. Right. If, if you can get around it and not have to debug it, you'll be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so Mickey, what are you working on right now? Or what are some things that are new and interesting to you that you're that you want to dig into more? P5, it sounds like, is something that you may have just gotten recently acquainted with. But is there something else on the horizon that is really like exciting to you? Yeah, the new framework, or don't, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, called Remix, that is sort of a 
React full stack framework mm-hmm. or library, maybe mm-hmm. we should call yeah. it. I'm super curious to to get my hands on that. I've been using Gatsby now for the past year and a half, and which I think like I've gotten acquainted with. It's it feels very familiar. It feels very safe to use it. But I'm very very curious about about Remix and and what can be done with that. I think they they just released version one, right? Mm, a couple of months ago. It's very yeah, right? retro. It's it's going back to kind of older p like remember the whole php thing where you used to f- submit forms all the time and that kind of thing that's remix right you know so it's basically going back in time it's not like nowadays we do all the json posting and all the json lifecycle and doing all the requests off a client right this is kind of going back a, a step but i actually think it's really cool like when you get it when you work with it you're like oh this is like refreshingly fast and cool <laughs> kind of works this is neat yeah, we're like, swinging wow. full circle. We've gone from right. everything on the client to back to everything <laughs> on the browser or the uh, server. And I'm sure we'll hit somewhere in the middle again at some point soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go all the way back and then somebody will save five years from now. But we could do it all on the client. Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, Mickey, is there anything that we haven't really talked about yet? We've covered, you know, Canvas and React. We've covered a little bit of your really interesting career path to working in web development full-time. Is there anything else that you feel like we we should touch on before we start to kind of wrap up and go into picks for this week? Not that I can think of. I think we spent like giving way more airtime to Svelte than React almost. <laughs> but but no, I think I think we covered it for That's sure. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Awesome. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, it's time to move into picks. So this is something that we think listeners would be interested in, whether it's entertainment, technical, anything else. So my pick for this week is going to be a movie that I watched recently on Netflix called Don't Look Up, which is kind of a satire of if there was a a meteorite really hurtling at Earth that was going to destroy all life on Earth, how would the current governments of the world handle it, which is not so well. <laughs> but it's it's it is really an kind of an eye opener because we see, you know, all the discord that's currently going on in the world and if there was something like this where everybody really needed to band together to save the earth could they and it's interesting to see how probably it it very well might play out with corporations trying to get involved different governments refusing to work together and all the rest of the people either agreeing that it is actually happening or just choosing not to believe it so it's definitely it's got some really good actors, too, in it. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Meryl Streep, or not Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, I think. 
So that's going to be my pick for this week. Don't look up. TJ, would you like to give us a pick? Yeah, very cool. I need to check that out. I <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of Idiocracy in a way, like the mm. premise at least. Uh, I'm going to pick Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is <laughs> new game from the Pokemon world. It's actually, I'd say, the first Pokemon game in a really long time that I would recommend people check out that aren't already like inculcated into the Pokemon world because it is kind of a new spin on the the typical type of game that they do. It's more exploration based. It's very clearly inspired by Breath of the Wild. So it's more like open the out in the wild, uh, looking for things, exploring. And I've been somewhat perhaps addicted to it over the last few days going around and playing with my kids as well. So if you're into those sorts of games, if you like Breath of the Wild, you might want to check it out. And that's my pick. I will nice. have to let my daughter know. I'm sure she'll want that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very cool. Jack, what do you got for us? Mine's going to be a lot more simple. It's plastic bags. So, <laughs> right? So I'm in my, like, oh, I'd say third week now of Marie Kondoing my life. So I'm, I'm getting rid of all the stuff, organizing, getting blah, blah, blah. You know, and it is life-changing. And so over the past couple of days, I have gone into the dreaded cable drawer. You know, oh, man. the mess, mm-hmm. the yeah. snake pit, yep. um, USB micro A, blah, <laughs> USB C, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, how do I deal with this? Right. And so I first like kind of organize them all at least into like they're all these they're all the same, you know, kind of get them all into bunches. Right. And then I use Velcro zip ties on them. And so that's cool. And then I was talking on Twitter to somebody and they're like, I just put them all into plastic bags and use a label maker and put them on, put a label on it, USB A to USB C or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that is genius. And so yeah, I, now I've got, you know, I put them in plastic bag, put them in plastic box and now it's done. And now if I need my USB A to USB C cable that's six feet or whatever, I'm in. I'm in. I get it in one. It's great. It's pretty smart, actually. It's crazy. Because even if even if you Velcro them, they still get like intermingled and stuff. Like right. it's hard to yes. keep them. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Because you know you you kind of bundle certain sizes together, but even then they're not the same size, and sometimes they're flat, and sometimes they're round. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> Good advice. Good time to get organized or get reorganized, I guess. Going into spring, you know, clean your yeah. life, you know, organize. Yeah. But never get rid of those cables. They may still be needed. Okay. I got rid of a <laughs> bunch of USB to microwave. I, I, I had, oh my God. And you guys buy them too. You do the IoT thing. That's mm-hmm. all microwave. And so like, you've got to have like 800 of those cables, I'm telling you. Yeah, I have a lot of adapters, too, for USB-C because mm. I run on Mac, which I hate, but you can't get away from it. <laughs> Good one. Mickey, do you have anything that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So I very recently rediscovered books like fictional books and i i remembered sort of after having forgotten it for like 20 years that i'm a huge (laughs) fantasy nerd so i think i read my first book this year i finished it uh and i think that's my first like non-school book in 10 years or something Mm-hmm. So basically what it was, like, I started watching this Amazon series called Wheel of Time. Have you heard about it? Mm-hmm. Yes. With Rosamund Pike. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I just love those fantasy settings with like Misty Mountains and like cool women who do magic and <laughs> maybe a dragon or two. I think they're really cool. So they were releasing one episode per week. And I realized that I'm way too impatient to wait mm-hmm. 
like one week for one episode and then to wait like another two or three years or two or three pandemics for like the next season so it's just like i'm gonna buy these books and i'm gonna read them so wheel of time it's i think it's 13 books i was gonna say you dove you dove in the deep end man because that is that is quite the fantasy series (laughs) i know and the worst thing is you know what i do like past midnight when everyone's gone to bed I go like, hmm, it's reading time. So I just like lay <laughs> in the couch and read my fantasy books. <laughs> but it's so nice. So I, I really, and it's it's a really good book. I'm I'm halfway through the through the second one now. It's only like eleven to go still, but it's actually really really good. Yeah, that is a very well done, very well written series. And so far, the show is doing well, keeping keeping the feeling of it. So that's a great one. Awesome, cool. Well, Mickey, thanks again for coming on. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And for anybody who's listening, if you're interested in seeing more about what Mickey is writing about, his website, his Twitter handle, we'll have all of that online in our show notes so you can catch him on the flip side. But Mickey, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to reach out? Twitter, I think, for sure. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have a link to your Twitter handle in the notes. And thanks once again for joining us. And we'll see everybody on the next episode of React Roundup. See you then. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.